the only bad thing about impeachment is that like uh you have like terrible ass memes and terrible ass jokes from it like people man people fucking suck i seen this shit to where like um somebody was like um i called donald uh trump orange and donald trump said back to me um i'm not orange i'm peach you get it because like i'm uh combined with peaches in peach i'm like oh my fucking god this shit is so <laughs> fucking terrible <laughs> So, yes, it has happened. Uh, The moment that Democratic uh, voters have um, prayed for (laughs) since the the inception of uh, Donald Trump's presidency, um, the moment that has been on our TV screens more than, you know, the actual election that's coming up, the House of Representatives finally impeach Donald Trump. Now, before we go into what all this means, because you guys already know I have a very practical stance when it comes to impeachment, um, let's just get some uh, logistic things out the way. Uh, this, this impeachment makes the third impeachment of a sitting president uh, in our United States history. Um, first, it was um, Andrew Johnson, um and then um, after Andrew Johnson, it was uh, Bill Clinton. Um, and then both of them were later on um, acquitted or found uh, not guilty by the Senate. Now, um, this this is something big, man. This is something big. And um, like I said earlier, you guys kind of already know how I felt about impeachment. I felt very practical about impeachment. Um, I feel like, you know, we still have to really focus on what happens next now, because now, even though we gave the Democrats definitely have a symbolic victory with this one, definitely, most definitely have a symbolic victory with this one. But now we have to watch how we carry this victory and not take it too, uh, not uh get too overexcited about it and actually understand logistics of politics and how things work and be prepared for whatever happens next after this um but before we get on that to get into all that like i was saying i wanted to just say how uh certain things uh pull uh played out in this impeachment process um as you guys know there was no republican <laughs> no republican at all that um, voted for the impeachment process. Now, throughout uh, my whole video that I had about, you know, um, I'm a progressive and I'm not for impeachment, whatever, Blase, um, that episode that came out, um, I even though I was off because um, I predicted that it might get past the House, um, but I think I was, I was very unsure about it getting past the House. Um, but... Uh, you know, even though it got past the house, um, one prediction that I had still held true, and that's that no Republicans were gonna vote for Donald Trump to be impeached. Um, first of all, this is still primary season, uh, so um, what does that mean? That means in primary season, um, Republicans are not trying to lose their primaries. 
um definitely especially republicans in safe districts um those those if you just imagine if you're a republican and you vote against a president that has a republican president that has an over 90 percent approval rating in your party yeah like all literally all they a republican has to do to beat you on your ticket is to be a trump supporter is to like love trump and say hey this republican doesn't like trump so that's like a political suicide right for any republican to vote for that so like I said, like I predicted, no Republicans voted, you know, for impeachment. Uh, now, now when it comes to um, Democrats, though, Democrats, it, it got kind of ugh, iffy. Um, and two Democrats ended up voting uh, nay to the impeachment, meaning that they they don't believe um, Donald Trump uh did anything wrong that's including the obstruction the obstruction of justice and the abuse of power articles um and these two um uh these two uh house representatives uh names were um Colin Peterson from Minnesota and Jeff Van Drew um and Colin Peterson um even though he voted uh against impeachment um he's still a democrat but this Jeff Van Drew guy um, I don't know if you guys have been uh, looking at him lately, but yeah, turns out this is like a Trump-loving um, mother sucker over here who decides to say like, hey, no, I believe that Trump is, you know, not guilty. And not only I don't believe he's not guilty, um, I believe that it's time for me to go to the Republican Party. Just a quick backstory, uh, this Jeff Van Drew, um guy um he was kind of known to being like very fashionable and he was really a freshman <coughs> a freshman um house representative um but very fashionable very seemingly cool guy but um what ended up happening is is basically that um because Jeff uh, Van Drew uh politics are a little and then and you're not going to hear this from like the media but his politics are a little bit too moderate for his district um his his New Jersey district is 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 too a little bit too moderate so the reason why he's doing all these shenanigans and leaving the uh, Democratic Party for Republican Party is because he knows he's going to lose <laughs> in his own Democratic primary so instead he's you know going switching uh to the Republican Party so but all that said technically there was uh two Democrats who voted completely against impeachment and then there was one Democrat um, who voted, uh, which was a uh, representative Jared Golden of Maine, uh, third Democrat, uh, he voted, uh, for the, um, abuse of power articles, um, but he did not vote for the obstruction of justice, justice articles. And just to clarify what that means is that in this impeachment, there were two articles filed and those two articles were, um, the article, the first article, which is abuse of power. And the second article was, is the, the obstruction of justice. And so, <clears throat> both of these, even though both of these articles passed, um, uh, Representative Jared Golden um, from Maine, he voted uh, to beat Trump for the abuse of power, but not the obstruction of justice. Um, and I didn't really get his uh, statement on that. But I did get the person who voted present statement on this, and that and that was Tulsi Gabbard. And um, 
I'm sure you guys already know about this. I was actually having a lot of people hitting me up talking about, man, what you going to say about your girl Tosi, man? You know, your, your girl Tosi. And for that vote, I'm going to actually do a separate episode because I, I really want, uh, since we're uh, kind of doing like these electability episodes, we did Pete last week. Um, I, I think I, I really want to take this time out to do a quick episode on Tosi Garrett, even though she has absolutely no chance. Um, at winning, um, that's my girl though, and I in in that I wanted to talk about the impeachment vote and you know what I just kind of made of it, and of her and you know what were my opinions on that vote. So I'm sorry you guys aren't gonna get my full opinion about Tosi Gabbard on this episode, but it's coming soon. Um, but yeah, um, like I said, basically no Republicans voted for it. Uh, voted voted for impeachment, but you had um, a total of four Democrats who decided to uh, not vote for impeachment as well, in some type of way. So you had uh, two Democrats uh, who just straight up didn't vote for uh, impeachment at all, who said nay to uh, the abuse of power and obstruction of justice. And then you had one Democrat who was like, uh, yeah, he's definitely guilty of abuse of power. Um, but I don't know about the obstruction of uh, Congress. Um, and then you had Tulsi Gabbard, who decided to vote, not at all, but vote present uh, for the vote. Um, and just a little uh, clarification, when somebody votes present, or, um, a non-voter, non-starter, whatever, it's just basically them uh, letting people know that like I was present for um this vote i just didn't decide to vote on it now this can actually like be a, a it, this is actually a pretty big thing because some people a lot of people do this um elon omar actually did this with the armenian genocide vote i hate when people do this because um it's really an uh, ideological hissy fit on that they're throwing when they do something like this just grow the fuck up and vote on something like if you're a house of representatives we want you to vote on something that's what we fucking elected you for so don't just vote present but I mean, that's just one side I feel about the Tulsi Gabbard thing. I, but if if I were being completely honest, I do feel like there was some merit um, uh, to what Tulsi did. But again, we're not going to get that in that episode. I don't even want to, you know, really go through that in this episode. <clears throat> so, four Democrats voted, technically didn't vote for impeachment in some way. And while... Republicans stayed strong, and there was not a single Republican who voted for Donald Trump's impeachment. Um, they, now, they did have uh, Michigan House Representative uh, Justin Amash vote against um, Donald Trump's, uh, vote for Donald Trump's impeachment. Um, who it, um, but um, he's no longer Republican. Um, he became independent because the GOP has become a, a, a party full of cowards. Um, not my words, his. Um, so, uh, <coughs> so yeah. But besides Justin Amash, mm, there was really no Republican at all who voted for it. Um, so, uh, <coughs> what happens next, like, after this? To be honest, uh, you guys know where I came from. Um, and I'm still kind of holding true from to my former predictions from the former episodes, um, which was basically saying that, A, um, 
that I mean the form, former episode that I did about impeachment, um, which basically said that, hey, even if it makes it past the House, there's like indubitably no chance for it to make it past the Senate. Uh, so, um, if if we if it, if it goes to a vote, man, I'm just saying there's a seventy. 87% chance, bro. 87% chance that it will not pass the Senate. It just won't. Um, you, you, like, and we all know the math. The, you know, the Republican Democratic math, right? The Republicans rule the House, the Senate. You know, uh, I said the Republicans. The Republicans rule the Senate and the Democrats didn't rule the House. So we all know the, the political math. You know, it's just not adding up for Democrats. But what uh, Pelosi has recently decided to do was hold these articles and you know until uh we can she can ensure uh that there's going to be some type of fair trial f- and fair procedure in you know the senate uh trials when they actually go to the senate um to try to remove trump from office now what she could do and what i kind of advise to do is hold them shits <laughs> hold them shits hold the articles until let's say Really, you can hold the articles till November. I wouldn't care. Uh, people, but and and then there there'll be be people saying, "Well, Jalen, you're just feeding into the Republicans' hands because they're just gonna keep bringing up on how this is like a political game." I mean, it's like not necessarily because it's like the thing is, is like this was strictly a symbolic vote, and Pelosi knows that. Nancy Pelosi absolutely knows that. That this was strictly a symbolic vote. That's why it took Nancy Pelosi such a fucking long time. To, you know, actually agree with impeaching him because it was like, hey, man, I got these moderates that are in these purple districts. And so if we impeach them and this doesn't work, we can end up losing these moderates. But the more pressure that it got and the more consensus that um, grew, the more the consensus for Donald Trump's impeachment grew. You know, Nancy Pelosi was like, okay, well, you know, I'm going to take a leap of faith with my party and we're going to impeach this motherfucker. Uh, <laughs> in the words of Rashida Tlaib. Uh, so, but even when this happened, right, you still, it, 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 it's still just a symbolic victory. So what can we do to like hold on this symbolic victory? Make sure it does. Okay, let me just explain it. Okay. Have you ever been with your buds, right? Um... This is for the Gamer Bro community. Uh, have you ever been with your buds and you guys were playing a game, let's say uh, Madden or 2K, and you guys were playing Madden or 2K, and uh, your, your, your homie always busts you in 2K. Like, is uh, y'all playing a game of Blacktop, and he always busts you because he always get, like, you know, the fucking OP characters, like... Uh, Michael Jordan, uh, when he uh, won his final ring, and like you know uh, these OP characters. Um, so you guys playing this game of blacktop, right? And you finally beat him three times in a row, and then he asks for another rematch, but you say, Ah, oh, nah, man, I won. I'm good. I'm 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 <laughs> I'm good for the night, deuces. It's a joke that people do, but it's common for gamers to do that with other gamers. And not only in gamers, but in competition, period. 
when you have certain victories that you knew it's it's that has a lot of symbolism that holds a lot of symbol and that that this could be different type of victories like you know Mayweather when he beat Pacquiao out of his retirement you know it was like after that it's like Mayweather Pacquiao was like hey rematch rematch but Mayweather was like uh well you know we don't know about it yet because that was such a symbolic victory for Mayweather that after you have such symbolic victories, you want to hold on to them because with the thing with symbolic victories that have so much symbolism to them is that, you know, they can easily be taken away. And when they're taken away, bro, since the bulk of it is not actual substance and it's just symbolic. We can fucking lose everything we work hard for to that point. So now to bring that illustration back home to their impeachment, right? Um, To these impeachment uh, proceedings. If Nancy Pelosi were to say, hey, let's go to the, you know, let's actually do the the trial in the Senate and we ended up losing, uh, which we are, like the Democrats are not going to actually like win a trial in the Senate and Donald Trump is not removed from office. This is just going to up his approval rating as to see happen with, you know, former President Bill Clinton. So, I mean, that's just if we're going off of historical data. Now, you could still have a revved up Democratic base, but just know that you're going to have an even more revved up Republican base. But if Nancy Pelosi instead says, hey, Let's hold these articles of impeachment. Let's hold this a symbolic victory. And Donald Trump can literally be a president who is impeached, but never acquitted for it and never tried for it. So, and if we get what we want in the elections, which is Bernie Sanders being elected president, Bernie beats Trump, Bernie beats and impeached Donald Trump in the Republican Party is forever in shambles because they have an impeached, from, from never acquitted president, um, which is which would be Donald Trump. I mean, this is that's what I'm just saying. At this point, I feel like that would be the smartest thing to do and just make this a symbolic thing to rove up the Democratic base. Is Are you going to rove up the, the Republican base? Yeah, but the turnout is really just going to really be based all in Donald Trump, which he's really good at turning people out. He's really good at galvanizing votes. So that's scary. But when people say, when there's this notion, when when you have stupid people like uh, fucking Nico House and Jimmy Dore say that, you know, this impeachment is enabling Trump and it's just, this impeachment is doing nothing but helping Trump. Like, no, what's going to help Trump is when we get to the Senate and he's not removed from office. That's what's going to help Trump. We're still, the Democrats still have the the the, the Trump card in this one. No pun intended, but the Democrats still have the Trump card in this one. Uh, they just have to pay this smart and adequately. Um, if they want huge political gains from this, um, and don't, 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 and don't you guys look at me like, oh, well, Jalen, that's, see, that's the problem with the politics is because people just mean think politics, this, this is just a game. Nobody really cared about impeaching Donald Trump from wrongdoings. Of course, fucking not. 
Like, objectively, like, I'm not gonna, gonna hit, sit up here and say that the House Democrats impeached Donald Trump because this is the one thing <laughs> that they was like, oh, we know we can't do this. Like, no, this motherfucker had a zero tolerance policy that was cool with locking kids up in cages at higher rates than the Obama administration. You know, you know, you had a guy who campaigned, you know, but that's, um, that's besides the point, who, who campaigned to, you know, take our soldiers out of war, but does the exact opposite and use our soldiers for hire when it comes to contrast with Syria. I mean, I said Syria, contrast with Saudi Arabia. And then you have this fucking emoluments clause. So there's a little, there's a lot of shit that Donald Trump is guilty for, and so do I feel like the House Democrats really would just like, really just were so offended by him in his Ukraine? No, it's not that, but it's just the fact that this had the most political leverage. You know, seemingly, again, I feel like the Monuments case it would have been a stronger case, but there's just a lot of loops and holes to go through with the Monuments case. I feel like with the Monuments case, Donald Trump it might be tried after his presidency, um, when it comes to you know the uh, districts of New York. Um, but we talked about that before, so I don't want to go off into a tangent on that. But so what happens next? It just all really just depends on how the Democrats hold these cards that they have. Because the, De- the Democrats, they still have a better chessboard than the Republicans. They still do. Um, I mean, I wouldn't say better, but I- I'll say this. I'll say the Republic at this point, the, the chessboard is very evened out at this point. It's anyone's game. Like, even if you look at the electoral map, uh, uh, it's like um, Republicans... Uh, 49 uh, Democrats, uh, 48, 47, you know, so it's just like we, we there's still a, a, a good playing field between uh, when it comes to this political game, that's impeachment. Um, but people like Jimmy Dore and Nico House uh, are people on the left who just want to have this ideological hissy fit and, you know, just be right in their merits and say, you know, fuck this you know, political game, fuck this political game of impeachment because Donald Trump could have been impeached for so much other shit. Uh, if you really cared about the atrocities, you would have impeached him for this. You would have impeached him for that. Like, dude, like, like, I, what if they had this same fucking, like, uh, narrative or mindset for when they wanted to arrest Al Capone for all the, for, for the fucking bloody massacre that he performed? But instead got him on tax evasion. What if they were just like, oh, man, well, we got you on tax evasion, dog. And to since we were really wanting to get you on this this bloody, like, massive, this, this uh, bloody, what, what the fuck was it called again? Bloody massacre? Uh, Valentine's massacre, I think. Yeah, the Valentine's massacre or whatever. We really wanted to get you for that. But we got you on tax evasion. So... We're instead of the 11 years and keeping your ass in prison, we're just going to let you... Like, no. <laughs> no, when you, when you know someone's bad and you know they have bad merits, you use anything that's politically viable. And again, like, I, I really hate going this direction with them because it's like people always, like, try to suck the fucking emotion out of me. And it's just like talking about, well... 
you know, you should do stuff because of your ideologies and not because of the tact or the practicality behind it. I'm like, dude, shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, people like like Jimmy Dore and Nico House who are saying shit like that and a lot of Tulsi stands who are saying shit like that just doesn't, just don't have a good concept of how to navigate um, this political environment. But like I said, I will objectively say that is this really anything with any does this impeachment have any good guys or bad guys in it? No. Does it have any heroes in it? No. I will objectively say that. I would objectively say that. But if you're a leftist, you know, always talking about, hey, we need to uh undo authoritative fascism, this w- this is the perfect chance. <laughs> Just because we don't have him by the straw that we want to have him by or the tail that we want to have him by doesn't mean we don't have him by the leg, right? So it's just like, let's use this shit and stop having your ideological temper tantrums everything, every, every time things don't go in your exact way. You fucking Jill Stein voters? Like, shit. <laughs> no, but I'm kidding because you, you guys know I love Jill Stein, but... Man, there's just this practice. It's always this practicality argument that I root that I have to play. It's so funny. It's so fucking funny because it's like with the centrist and uh, I'll say more neoliberals um, and people who have kind of like this neoliberal establishment way of, you know, looking at the political process um, with them. I have to tell them like which are which are usually Southern black people, I usually have to tell them, like, nigga, be more ambitious. <laughs> like, what, why do you think it's so practical about shit? Like, you you could be a little bit more ambitious. <laughs> and it's like, I, you know, I, I, you know, so I'm talking to them about, you know, be more ambitious in your band plans. Fuck a multiplayer public option that's just going to be gutted out by Republicans. Let's do some single pair ambitious Medicare for all shit. And then when I get to leftists, it's like with with like you know, bona fide leftists, I have to tell them, like, chill, nigga, like, <laughs> think, <laughs> think for a second, y'all, you're too much, you, you're too much, like, chill, like, <laughs> like, no, it's not, you know, fuck all cops, like, chill, let's, it's just, let's redo the judicial system, let's do, let's redo the police system, so it's like, man, and so I see that even with this, it's just like, Man, you know, for my bona fide leftists, our toasty stance is like, bro, calm down, you know, <laughs> like, like, let, let's let's understand what's more politically viable and what's strategically um, uh, feasible. Because, I mean, you can have your ideological temper tantrums, but remember, being practically and strategically aligned always helps in the long run. It always helps. So. And it's like, I, 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 I just rather end the argument there because I don't want to come from this would you rather argument, right? That I always end up fucking losing. Um, it, it, with, with people who are like married to binar- binary truths and like, and even good people who have good platforms, but when they're married to bi- bi- like these super ideologies and they're married to them, what I've noticed is, is that like, it's hard to really do the, either or argument or would you rather Trump or Clinton? I can't really do that argument with them because it's like, you know, um, they're a bit obtuse in their ideology, which is like, I I, I never want to make it seem like that's a, you know, insult. Cause it's like, I mean, at least you're being fucking principled, but it's like, 
you know, it's always kind of hard to navigate around that, you know, principle. Um, but another part of this that we have to focus on, though, if we want all our cards in line for to make sure that this impeachment process and make sure that basically if we want to dominate the fucking chessboard, which is the Electoral College, um, which is the political game um, uh, or the political roulette that we're in right now. If we want if Dems want to nominate dominate the chessboard by the time November comes, November next year comes, this is what they need to do. Nancy needs to hold those articles until fucking November. I, I would, but I think November is probably too long. Probably, I feel like Nancy uh, is smart enough to understand when to hold them and when to like sit. Like I, I, I don't know, but I feel like me personally, I don't know, Nancy. You do your shit because you you carried this impeachment kind of good. Uh, but you know, you know, still disagree with you on a lot of shit. But, you know, Nancy did her thing as far as this impeachment thing. But if she want to continue doing her thing, she needs to hold these fucking articles. The Democrats need to push for anti-establishment populist candidate, which is Bernie Sanders. And I just did not sound like a shill. I'll say Elizabeth Warren because their politics mirror are Elizabeth Warren. OK, to not sound like a shill shill, I'll say Joe Biden Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, a, a top front runner. No, not Joe Biden. I can't say Joe Biden. Joe Biden is not electable, you guys. I'm sorry. I'm not against Trump. Uh, and, and this is a, a, a Freudian slip, really, because I'm not supposed to be talking about this shit uh, because it is an episode I already recorded that I got to release. But if Bernie or Warren gets the nom, I really hope Bernie... But if this uh, uh, an anti-establishment uh, structural candidate who wants to rewire our entire society, you know, who wants to really like flip shit on his head, who really is the anti- uh, antithesis of Trump, you know, we have to get them elected so they can go against Trump while also going against the democratic establishment in the old democratic neoliberal ways. So that could even more galvanize people and galvanize this audience. And this is why I'm just so scared because I'm so scared that the establishment is the democratic establishment is still worried so much about blocking out Bernie that they're not using their fucking head to realize that, oh, damn, we put ourselves in a position to where the only person that's going to beat Donald Trump is a Bernie Sanders. Somebody who can galvanize outside votes. Somebody who can rile up the young base while still keeping the core Democratic uh, uh, base. And still getting moderates. We need a populist candidate. And so, because like, like I said earlier, even though we're we're not in this like Armageddon for the Democratic Party as most people think we are, because we you know uh, made the decision to impeach Donald Trump. The even though it's not a place of Armageddon, it's still fucking Ragnarok, bro. In other words, you know, even though it's not the end of the earth. 
meaning that the Republican base is is super galvanized and nowhere to where the Democratic Party could be. Like, no, it's not that at all. What it is is just the fact that, like, now it's like that sleeping beast thing. Um, when, you know, you, you, you keep poking at the beast and then when you finally smack it upside his fucking head, of course it's going to wake up. And that's all that's happening right now. So don't be too scared about the Trump supporters and you hear the talk about, oh, well, now Trump supporters are galvanized. Like, don't hear, don't be too upset about it because uh, are too fearful about it because check this out. His support is growing, but Bernie Sanders support is growing as well. But what people like since Donald Trump is a quasi populist, what he knows is that oh shit, Bernie Sanders has like the biggest chance to beat me. But even in 2016, he knows that even though he has the biggest best chance to beat me, he's not going to fucking even get to the general election because the Democratic establishment is going to block them out. So Donald Trump it literally understands the Democratic Party more than the Democratic Party. And it's scary. It's scary to really understand how much politics Donald Trump not foreign diplomacy, uh, which he should know as a president. Like, not like, by politics, I don't mean like the fucking like uh, structural part of politics. I don't mean the policy part of politics, like foreign diplomacy or domestic policy or, you know, um, certain things of that nature or even, you know, techno- technocratic uh, ways of how our government works. Donald Trump knows shit about how our government works. But what he does know is that Donald Trump is an A1 organizer, bro. He is an A1 organizer. He knows how to get people galvanized, and he knows how to get people, you know, to love him. He knows how to do that. Definitely a certain base, his, his, that being his base. You know why? Because he's pandered to these people his whole fucking life. <laughs> you know, he, he's taking money from these same exact people his whole fucking life. So he knows <laughs> how to do this shit, you know? win elections. So the only person that, that could beat a galvanized base match that is another galvanized base. Um uh so be mindful for that. Be very mindful of that. Um so uh yeah there there's just a lot of shit going on with this impeachment that oh man a lot of people just aren't prepared for. But um that's what I think what should happen next. Now we just have to be prepared what happens next. I hope Nancy thinks really smart and carry these articles like the fucking, you know, Lord of the Rings ring and shit. Like, carry this shit like precious. Like, she carries this shit and, like, holds this shit dearly to her um, and, and releases this shit at the right time. Um, but, again, it really plays in... And it, because she's only half of the factor if we want to beat Donald Trump, because the other half, which is really more than half, is who we elect as president or who we really elect as the Democratic nom to go against Trump. So to uh get, you know, that fresh on your guys mind, because I don't want you guys just focusing on impeachment. The rest of this episode, um, we're going to take out and to discuss a little bit um, the uh, debate night uh, on Thursday, how everything played out briefly, though, very, very briefly. And, you know, 
what how are things looking at in the polls um so let's take this quick break and i'll be right back so debate night um presidential elections 2020 yay um back to it now <clears throat> what's what uh went on at last debate night was actually pretty neat um again i have this thing to where like and I feel like everybody really feels the same way. The shorter that the debates get, meaning that, you know, the uh, less the uh, capacity, meaning, you know, less the, the lesser candidates, the more like, you know, substantive it gets. Or at least you get to see more substance from, you know, candidates with substance. Um, I really heard, hope uh, Cory Booker uh, is there next time. Again, I don't there's There's no possible way in any earth that I'll ever vote for Cory Booker for president at, right now. But like, it's just like, I see, like, I'll be seeing that kid and it's like, that guy, I said kid, this kid, <laughs> he's older than me. But, um, I, I see, I'll be seeing him with his, uh, his, his wife, who's a like famous actress. And I'm like, man, this guy's a good guy. He's a fucking vegan and shit. Um, so besides the point, it's like, I, I really want him to, you know, change his politics up a little bit, lean a little more left, and then hopefully he could have, like, a really good um, career in politics. Not saying he already doesn't because he's a fucking senator, but he can have an even better career in politics. Um, but throughout the debate, it was it was really um, telling what direction this is going. Um, and before, like, I, I, I really say what direction it was going... Uh, I I really want want to just uh use some qualitative reasoning to why I've come up with this uh assessment um from Thursday night's debate. Um, at first, you know, from the water, you had you know Pete going after Warren. I mean, no, Warren went after Pete. I think she started going after Pete because, and basically, she was like, "Hey, man, you have these fucking wine caves." Right? That you you mean with these fucking billionaires, right? Right? That shit's not cool. Like, why the fuck are you doing that dumbass shit? Because, like, you know, we be talking about, like, the Republicans be doing that NRA shit, right? And they and then they, they meet with the NRA and shit, uh, the National Rifle Association. And when it comes to gun, comprehensive gun legislation, we be all mad at them and shit. So it's like we either mad at lobbyists or we mad at lobbyists, my nigga. We you just can't. And so like she really like got him down with that because again it was the argument that I tried I was making last week against Pete Buttigieg. Um, but they started started going after each other. Um, I think uh you know Warren even uh defended her wealth tax. Um, really really good. But then um after it was Warren after. Warren and Pete, you started seeing this weird stuff from Pete. But before we even talk about that, uh, I do want to bring up one more thing about Warren is that Warren, when it, she stressed, uh, because it's like people like Van Jones and Pete Buttigieg, most definitely, but even Van Jones said it in the um, after uh, analysis of the debate. Um, well, not analysis, it was an interview. Um, with Elizabeth Warren, and like she, was, he was just basically telling her like, are the are all these purity tests that essentially you and Bernie Sanders putting people through? Is it fair to do? You know, and and then Pete was like, you know, like yeah, it, yeah, is it fair to do Warren at the debate? He was asking, is it fair to do considering that you yourself took all this the this same billionaire money for your Senate campaigns 
and you're running off of some of that treasure chest now. Now, even though Warren has vowed to not take PAC money again, you know, for this for the for this election, right? It is true that she's still using treasure chest funds, essentially funds from last campaigns that were funded by billionaires. But again, I kind of hate when people do this because it's like people is like, you know, I love historical context. I love going there, my nigga. But it's like I also understand is that, you know, it's a simple concept of like people fucking change and people fucking change their minds. So it's like we don't when we're when we're judging individuals, we really don't try to judge them off of their past merit. But more of their current platform and outlook on things. Because it's like, a guy could be super fucking racist in, like, you know, the 1970s, right? But if that guy completely turned his life around, right? Not only completely turned the rifles around, started donating to, like, fucking charities and shit. Gave up all his money, his wealth, to, like, uh, uh, making sure kids find, like, you know, fucking... Uh, adopted kids find like foster care find, find you know real real homes and shit I don't know this is just a, an extrapolated uh, hypothetical but if you know the man totally turned his life around yes we have the right to say well I mean the guy is different <laughs> so let's not do this so, you, you know let, let, let's not do it you know um, so it's just like I, I hate when people come from this thing took historical context to immediately rule somebody out now when it comes to comparing and contrasting certain people like you know uh if you using that same hypothetical if we was compare can compare and contrasting that that rich guy who was racist back in the day but turned his life around if we were comparing him to a guy a non-racist rich guy who was never racist then of course i mean you'll say oh well the better person by merit i guess would be the guy who was never racist you know same thing with the election it's like you know i don't really judge people like you know kamala you know, for having like a shitty weed stance, you know, but because he changed it. But, you know, I to compare and contrast better candidates, I do see oh, Bernie Sanders been had a good stance when it came to weed uh, legalization. So when he brings this uh, this shit up, it's just like he he brought up that term purity test. And then Warren, I love how she answered it um, when was asked, pressed by Van Jones which I don't even know why the fuck Van Jones asked that. It's like, I'm, but it's, then again, Van Jones, nobody knows his fucking politics. Uh, but um, she she answered the question so eloquently because what she said was she was like, purity test. The, the, I'm not looking for a purity test. You know, the American people is just looking for people to try like me. And that in and, and that that's. I'm like, Warren, that's exactly, girl. You are still the second candidate that I'm that I'm thinking that I'm uh you're still my second choice. But you did an amazing job answering that question, man. Cause that's essentially what it is. And I and, and, and I guess to me, I feel like she did such a great job because she put it how like I always try to tell people. It's like with me, it's not a purity test thing with candidates. It's just the fact to like we want to see you try, <laughs> like notice the, your faults. Don't debate your your history, your modal past, 
if 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 you can if 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 your fan base or if your galvanized base has some sort of issues with your muddy past, you don't go around it. You don't beat around the bush. Don't try to give them a different picture. You apologize for it, and then you try, and you actually try. You when you repent, you try to be a better person after that. When with Warren, that was her in this pack money. She was like, okay, yep, I understand. It was bad taking pack money. I ain't gonna do that shit again, though. And it's like, I so this, but all Pete Buttigieg has to retort that, you know, is shit like, well, you know, in order to beat Donald Trump, we're gonna need a lot of money. Pete, in order to beat Trump, we're gonna need a lot of money. Are you fucking seriously? Do you know that Hillary Clinton outspent and outfundraised? Well, I think I actually think Donald Trump probably had more small. No, 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 no. Hillary Clinton outfundraised and outspent Donald Trump in almost every quarter of the general election for just for her ass to lose by seventy five thousand votes. Technically, because we all know fuck the electoral college, but. So for Pete Buttigieg and, 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 and even centrists to have these same talking points like, oh, uh, yeah, bro, um, shit, uh, only way we're going to beat Donald Trump is if we're fucking billion, if, if billionaires are in our fucking pockets. You know, those same billionaires that is going to stop us from doing campaign finance reform are these same lobbying industries that's going to stop us from performing things like a Green New Deal. Our, our, our transition to, to at least nuclear energy. <sighs> Pete Buttigieg has to be the most disingenuous piece of bull. Like, man, and in, in the Democratic Party, I really don't try to, like, hammer on, like, certain ideologies because I'm not a zealot. Um, uh, again, like, I have, like, totally... Um, Total disagreements with the Joe Bidens of the world and complete disagreements with the Paul Krugman, Krugmans of the world. But I will say that there's things that me and Joe Biden agree on, uh, that every person needs universal access to health care. Yes. And that it's we just can't rely on the private market for that. Yes, me and Joe Biden fundamentally agree there. Um same thing with Cory Booker when it comes to we need to make sure college is more accessible for people. We agree there. But the but it's it's all about our our tactics and what we agree upon and how to fix how to get to this universal access of healthcare or get to this uh easily accessible education that everybody can thrive off of and live off of and get opportunity from. Um, you know, somebody like Joe Biden takes an incremental step, which is a step saying like, like the public option is like, okay, well, you know, we still need, you know, people aren't ready for that big change yet. So let's just take it step by step. Same thing Obama tried to do with the ACA. But the thing, the problem with that incremental step is, is that that incremental step it's only good if there's no interruption in incrementalism. I see what a lot of times what incrementalists uh, in policy, uh, especially when we're talking about the difference between like uh, means tested programs and universal programs are neoliberal politics versus social de- uh, de- uh, de- uh, democratic 
policies. Um, when you see incrementalism, um, it, it doesn't account for the obstacles that might come in the way of the incremental change. Like, uh, say, for instance, if uh, I was just. It's just like paying off college debt, right? Or no, let me not say college debt. Let's say a car. You know, people normally like paying off the a car in car notes because it builds thing. It builds up shit like your credit, and um, uh, number two, it's very fucking expensive to just buy a full fucking full car, all out, um, uh, with your money. Definitely if it's off the lot. But we know. That in as far as an asset being granted to you or something being given to you, it is more promised if you go to a lot and if you pay that car in full and you get it rather than you do the standard thing, which is to pay car notes. Now, again, I don't really like this um, uh, analogy um, I try to do because it's like it doesn't it, it doesn't take an account for it that like, you know, like normal people just can't fucking buy, you know, fucking cars. But it's really the same way for how universal plans versus mean tested plans are incremental policy versus progressive policy works essentially. Right. Um, so that's how I always thought about it. It's just like, yeah, like, yeah, like with, with the public option, the public option is like paying your car note. Like, yeah, like, you know, if you continue to pay your car note and there's no obstacles in your way to hinder you from paying that car note, then yeah, you're, you're going to be fucking fine. But if you get in, say, uh, I don't know, a fender bender or yeah, you get in a fender bender. Now you got to worry about fixing the car. Oh shit! Or what if your tire pops out? You know, and you know, and 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 you you fucking uh your tire is like uh skis uh, skis off the uh, off off the road. Now you have to put money into fixing your car as well, and not only, and it, on top of all this, paying a car note constantly, and then all the other funds of your life. You know, was was meaning normal bills that you have to take care of, um, light, uh, normal appliances that you normally have to get, gas for your fucking car, right? Versus if I would just got this thing off the lot, which is way more expensive, way more expensive. But soon as I get this, that looming thing of a car note, I don't have to fucking worry about. And I can worry about all my other assets and and I will never have to worry about well is this car paid off or not so that that's just something to think about when 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 people do like this this incremental approach to everything and and they say like oh well I mean let's just do this you know instead of you uh, just having a single payer system like Denmark which has proved to be absolutely successful and more successful than multi-payer insurances across the globe uh, across the globe so yeah that that was really neat um uh just how like Warren really did a good job of like just carrying herself throughout this this whole debate um um there was a lot of Amy Klobuchar that I didn't like about this debate. Um, yeah, whoever told her to talk more, don't, don't. And I'm not saying that like she like bombed it, 
But it's just the fact to where, like, she bombed it, bro. Because it's just, like, how can you, like, literally, like, get into an argument with Pete and y'all, like, not arguing about anything? Y'all literally just arguing about y'all social identity. Like, it was the most... Ah, oh, dude, forgive me for saying this, but it was literally the most whitest shit <laughs> I ever seen. It was like they're up in here and by white as a white. I just mean like elitist because they were just over here arguing about their identity. It was just like, you know, Amy, Amy, you know, I'm I'm more experienced than you. Uh, uh, then Pete would be like, I'm a uh, well, shit, I'm a. I was a good mayor. And then Amy was like, yeah, you're a good mayor, but we, I'm just saying I'm more experienced. And then Pete would be like, I was a veteran. And then Amy would be like, well, I mean, yeah, that's great, but that, you know, doesn't really qualify you for president. You know, again, like, I've won so many elections. Uh, and then, you know, he was like, well, I'm gay, you know. <laughs> and so, like, it was just the most elitist shit ever. And it's like, you can just tell, like, Amy Klobuchar is really still in this bitch and she's still getting funded by like moderate billionaire lobbyists uh because essentially she's the only one who can argue for like a moderate platform adequately uh joe biden he got ate up by fucking bernie he got ate the fuck up in every exchange he had with bernie especially the uh exchange they had in healthcare. um uh and then People like John Delaney can't even make it on stage. Like, and then like people like Pete Buttigieg is like, you know, they're moderate, but they're towing the line of trying to, you know, garner some of that progressive vote as well. So it's just like Amy Klobuchar is really holding it down for like the, you know, moderate uh, centrist, uh, like the legit moderate centrist. And she's holding down the arguments, uh, piss poo arguments still, but she's making better arguments than Biden. So. I mean, I feel like that's the real reason why, you know, we still seeing her, keep seeing her at these debates and she still keeps getting funded because it's like, you know, the establishment really still needs a, a good, moderate stronghold in there to explain their policies. Um, but um, if I would say a winner of the debate, I would definitely have to say just objectively Andrew Yang. Again, um, his policies are kind of piss poo to me. Um, uh, 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 just uh, how their praxis, their praxis, his, his policy praxis, meaning like how they like unfold, is like really bad to me. But it's like I, I kind of agree with a lot of his, um, like just the surface of his policies. Me, you know, like UBI, um, uh, guaranteed leave, uh, you know, sex to crim, drug to crim. So. Um, but I feel like Andrew Yang uh, definitely won, uh, considering the time that he had to speak and just the substance, man. I mean, he had like a really good, uh, uh, really good, some really good minutes in there when he was just talking about um, nuclear transition and nuclear energy. And it's just like, uh, that's a tough conversation to have with, you know, these climate change zealots that are in the <laughs> Democratic Party a lot of times, you know, as you know, because, you know, definitely that liberal faction, uh, they're, they're real climate change zealots a lot of times. So it's just like, you know, um, the fact that he just brought up nuclear energy as a, uh, an authorium uh, receptor, that's just like, just like viable ways to you know get to net zero or uh, net zero or uh, carbon emissions. So objectively I would say he won. Just that's just my opinion. But um 
I, w- I would say this, and I hope it's not contradicting that opinion that I just said, but what it did, what I did see from those debates last night is that this is really gearing up to be a two-person race. Um, Throughout this process, uh, you had uh, people itch up uh, who tried to test the waters, um, they were the, who, who even passed Bernie up, like Warren, who passed Bernie up for a while um, and, and had that nip at uh, Joe for a while. Um, so you had all these candidates fluctuate, um, have high polling numbers like Kamala Harris, Elizabeth Warren, um, just for them to kind of like slide back down because they don't have a real base. And I feel like just like the general election, this Democratic primary is going to be decided by who has the stronger base. And there's only two candidates with strong, viable bases right now, and that's Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders. But what makes them even more like, okay, it's just really going to be them two, is that even though they have the stronger bases, they also cannibalize each other's bases. So if you would ask, um, uh, and there's multiple polls done on this. Um, I think the Washington Post even cited one. But if you if you've seen like these polls, you'll see that um, first uh, uh, candidates who are voting for Joe Biden say that their second choice candidate is Bernie Sanders, and for Bernie Sanders, the bulk of his people. Uh, say their second choice is Joe Biden. So they actually eat up their audience like really, really well when it comes to like that moderate um, likely vote that 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 happens that 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 they're trying to garnish that uh, moderate centrist uh, likely vote um, or that, you know, I would say like the Rust Belt vote. That would be more accurate to put like a geographical location on it. Um, but as for, because, you know, spectrum doesn't fucking exist. Right. Uh, but anyway, um, so that 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 Rust Belt voter is what you know Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders really you know fight over constantly, and so well, even with just the exchanges that they had when uh, when they uh, when they brought up the Afghan uh, papers and uh, Bernie ducked on um, everybody when it came to foreign uh, diplomacy. Um, and then when they had the really good healthcare exchange, I think this was like probably the one of the best healthcare exchanges like, you know, they had, you know, to this point, you know, they like in other debates, like I've, I would always just critique how they had the healthcare exchange. But it was a literally good, it was a real, real good exchange between Biden and Bernie. Um, so I really feel like that's where we're headed. <laughs> we're headed into the oh. Uh, Looks like it's going to be Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden. And that's what we originally thought it was going to be. Um, now, uh, now, I mean, you have my, you might have some people that, that, that have the chance to shock us. But if we're looking at real clear politics and. Um, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. If we're looking at like real clear politics. And this is just like uh, 14 days. Um. Yeah, in fourteen days, you really don't have anybody who is like threatening to take away. Like one of the most like shocking things. I well, not shocking things, but uh, because I mean billionaires can buy elections. But 
I guess the most uh, surprising numbers are Bloomberg, uh, Michael Bloomberg. He's already at like 5% when, you know, people like Klobuchar has been at like 2 to 3 Klobuchar and Yang, they've been like fighting for that, you know, 3% for a while. And then Cory Book is still at 2.1. And then Tulsi Gabbard is at one point fucking seven. So it's just like, you know, that that's a real surprising number, that Bloomberg thing. But it's like... Um, I think Bloomberg, what people that got to understand too is like Bloomberg, Bloomberg was poised to run for a while now, even like before the elections. He was poised to actually run for a while now, but then he decided not to, and then he decided to. So, it was, whatever. Um, but even him, like his numbers don't really show um, any um, indication of some, they're going to be, you're, you're going to soar, right? And my thing is, is just like Bloomberg doesn't go to any of the debates. So it's like, I just wonder how, what's his campaign's plan to like plan to win if they have one or if they're just like a moderate centrist holdout like, you know, Amy Klobuchar is um, because Amy Klobuchar has no fucking chance of winning. Same thing with Bloomberg. I'm just looking at the uh, list. Um, and if you're looking at, yeah, uh, Bloomberg is actually dipping down a bit. Um, as uh, Klobuchar is going up a tad bit by like a you know a decimal point, and then you know you have like Yang and Klobuchar who are going up, and then yeah, um, but yeah, so only real like people who I see that have like a chance is Warren. Because uh, next to Biden and Sanders, she has the most. She has the most galvanized base, but her base is like hella vulnerable still, like hella hella vulnerable still. Um, but you know, it's it, she has a, a better galvanized base than anybody else on the uh, uh, anybody else in the polls. Um, and then Warren and the reason and and Pete Buttigieg. Uh, and Yang, and the only reason why I say Buttigieg is because Buttigieg, uh, he's up in like the early states. Um, but again, that's such, it's such a small chance for Buttigieg to win those early states. Um, and then like if Buttigieg wins those early states, Biden wins the, he wins the whole thing. Biden wins the nomination. But the uh, Buttigieg and Yang, and the only reason why I say Yang is because even though. He's still been fighting for that, you know, to pass like 4%. You know, he hasn't passed 4% yet, and he's still been fighting for that. Um, He gets a lot of notoriety higher than other candidates that should get it. Like, say, for instance, like Julian Castro. Julian Castro was a housing, was part of the housing administration under Obama, uh, under, uh, the Obama years. Like, he should be polling way higher than Yang, but he doesn't. Um, same thing with Cory Booker. Uh, same thing with even Kamala Harris. Like Yang exceeded like polls uh, with Kamala Harris too. Um, uh, same thing with Tulsi Gabbard. Uh, so, you know, the only reason why I put Yang as like a a, a really really uh, like an extreme underdog is because uh, his trajectory. Um, and, and then his trajectory is a lot considering that he's not uh, an elected official of any sort, and he's like passing all of them up. But yeah, uh, if we really want to 
just kind of like looping this whole episode in together because I know it was it was a lot just from impeachment to the debate nights. But if we really if Democrats, if us as a party, if we really want to take advantage of, you know, the things that are going on as of now, what we need to do is one, hold the articles of impeachment, uh, constantly demonize the name of Trump. Um, and then the most important thing to do is run somebody against Trump that can galvanize a strong base of young voters. Why I say young voters? Because young voters are the only things that can't be tracked. It's more of a ball. It's more of a risk. It's more of a gamble. But you, ha- we have to nominate an, an anti-establishment, a populist candidate that can galvanize the the young people in our base. And I, I think we already know who has the potential to do that. It's just about certain powers at be admitting, um, admitting it. I mean, in my prediction, you're you're gonna start seeing. You know, either a desperate attempt to silence Bernie or like a desperate attempt to say like, wow, Bernie is literally the most electable person. And negatively, like the media is going to dread it. They're going to fucking dread it. It's good because it's like it's going to be exactly what happened with. Never mind. I'm not going to say that. Uh, But because y'all niggas start making parallels to other shit and it'll just piss me off. But just know the media, let me say this, the Democratic establishment is going to start being in an either-or situation to where they, they're they not going to necessarily want Bernie, but they're going to see that they need Bernie. But that's just my prediction. Um, we still have superdelegates in the election, so I could be completely wrong. Um, I could They could still block Bernie and just want to, just because they want to lose the election that bad, but it's whatever. But... Thank you guys for coming out uh, and listening to this uh, episode. Um, I know this episode is hella lengthy. Um, I'm sorry for that, but I feel like you're really gonna enjoy this one. Um, I really just wanted to talk on touch on impeachment and a little bit of the debate, so that's why it was a bit lengthy. But man, tell me y'all opinions on like impeachment and just really the political climate. Like you know, uh, what what are you seeing? You know. Uh, locally, what are you seeing on the state level? What are you seeing? Uh, and then just socially too, like, you know, you know, how do you think this impeachment is just going to digest culturally and, and, and the culture impact this impeachment is going to have on America? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Matter of fact, that's the question for this episode. If you listen to this episode, my question to you is, what do you think the cultural impact of this impeachment is going to be? Um, I really want to hear some good qualitative uh, shit from you guys. So um, answer back. Uh, Yeah, just answer that question. Um, uh, If you want to ask me any other type of questions, if you want to ask Jade any questions for our Twin Towns episode, uh, just hit us up on E2 The Podcast at E2 The Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Like the page on uh, Facebook. Follow the pages on Twitter and Instagram. And, uh, yeah, if that's all, I think that's all. Um, we're going to be out. Uh, again, if you have any questions for me, RJ, just hit us up at E2 The Podcast. Peace out.